1: In the depths of the COVID lockdown, I found myself baking a lot. Cookies, brownies, cakes, anything that I could make with flour, sugar, eggs, butter, chocolate chips. I never got into sourdough like so many people did, but I did start baking. I would bake something, eat a little bit, and then drop the rest off for friends in my neighborhood. It gave me something to do that wasn't on a screen in that time when almost all of my human interaction was via screen, texting, calling, FaceTiming, emailing. It was a solace of some kind, a task that had a beginning, middle and end where I could use my hands and use a different part of my brain. It gave me something else to do with what felt like large expanses of formless time, alone in my house, too afraid to go out. And it also gave me a way to connect with my friends and neighbors, Even if I couldn't be in their houses or eat cookies with them or have dinner around a table, I could at least do this. I could remember that I was still part of something bigger than me, even though it didn't feel like it. I could take some ingredients and mix them together and create something else entirely. And then I could share that. I could remember what it was to be part of the human family, to care in this very small way for the people in my life. And then last week, I found myself doing it again. Without even realizing it, I had begun baking. I baked brownies for a Shabbat dinner and then a couple days later wanted to do something with an extra can of pumpkin I found in my house. I went through endless pumpkin recipes and landed on a pumpkin coffee cake. I had all the ingredients already and that was enough for me. Much like those dark days of COVID, I found myself having a hard time leaving my house lately and things that don't require a trip to the grocery store are a relief. So I baked the cake and then I looked at it and I didn't know what to do. I'm one person and it was a whole cake. And then I remembered all the days during lockdown when I baked things and shared them. So I texted a few friends and neighbors and asked if I could bring them cake, much like three years ago. And then I packaged up some cake, still warm, and walked it over to these friends one at a time. And when I dropped it off, I got to see them, these people I have walked so much life with, these children, these babies. We got to see each other, to check in and share something, albeit something so small. An exchange of humanity, of connection, of care, and of love. Or at least, that is how I see it. These last few weeks, like so many of you, I look out at the world and I don't know what to do. I don't really know how to move forward or what the grand scale solutions are. I am afraid. I am uncertain. I feel like I have no power over the Israeli government, over Gaza, over the military decisions, over the casualties and the violence and the injured people and the hostages and the growing death toll and the grief and the trauma and the fear and the loneliness and the anti-Semitism and the rupture in humanity that we are all witnessing. We sit here, all of us, brains in overdrive, trying to process and grieve and understand be angry and sad and hurt and lonely, and still somehow get out of bed and get dressed and feed our families and go to work and pick our kids up from school and feed them again and try to rest and eat. And it's all so hard and so much. We're exhausted, both from the fact that no one is sleeping and from the fact of the existential exhaustion from the trauma we are living out in our bodies. Tomorrow marks 30 days since the brutal terrorist attacks. Shloshim, 30 days. This is all still so new, and yet it feels like these have been some of the longest weeks we have ever experienced. Like we have been living in this reality for so much longer than we have. I, and I know many of you, feel so helpless. We sit here 7,500 miles from Israel, And it feels both like it's happening inside our homes and workplaces and synagogues, and also like it's so far away that we have no power to help. Of course, in our community, people are finding ways to help. People are sending countless supplies to people in need, showing up for vigils and gatherings and protests and rallies, checking in constantly with loved ones in Israel and Gaza, sitting in multi-faith gatherings and talking about how to walk forward together, Donating what they can to organizations on the ground, doing so much work round the clock, writing and calling elected officials and representatives, the list goes on. And still, nothing feels like enough. And there's only so much we can do. The world is spinning out of control, and we are spinning with it, struggling to get our feet under us, to see straight, to figure out how to put one foot in front of the other. And yet, we have to. We have to take one small, shaky step at a time. We are so consumed by watching the news and scrolling Instagram and reading the latest breaking updates and listening to the podcasts and showing up in all the ways that I already outlined, but we cannot do all of that out there without also taking stock of what's happening in here, in ourselves, in each other, in our more micro worlds without figuring out what small things we can do to sustain ourselves and each other, fortifying us to continue the work out there. We need each other for the long haul, and we are only going to make it through that one tiny step at a time, taking care of each other as we go. In this disorienting moment, I feel especially glad for the wisdom of our tradition. And as always, there's a lot of it in this week's Parsha. We begin the Parsha, Vayera, with one of the paradigmatic Jewish examples of taking care of each other. Abraham, having just completed his very late in life circumcision, is home and resting and recovering. At this moment, he then sees three people walking toward him. And instead of just letting them walk by or going inside or pretending he didn't see them or just resting, he runs to greet them. He hurries to make them feel seen, acknowledged, important. Even though he, in his own world, is in pain and struggling, he looks out and chooses to give what little energy he has to someone else. He washes their feet. He encourages them to rest under a tree. He goes to tell Sarah, and he says, "Mahari shlosh seim kemach, solat lushi asi ugot. Hurry, take three selahs of flour, knead it, and make cakes." Not unlike the voice in my head these last weeks. Just knead the flour, bake the cake, and then share it. And that's what Abraham and Sarah do. Along with meat and curds and milk, they all sit together under the tree. They take care of each other. They reach out from their pain and struggle to also check in with someone else. And later in the Parsha, we see it again, a decision made for connection and togetherness. Again, it is Abraham's relationship with the other that gives us a model for this. At the conclusion of a dispute with Avimelech, king of Gerar, we are told, Vaita eshel bebershava. Abraham planted an eshel in Beersheba. It's not exactly clear what an eshel is. It's often translated as some kind of tree, a tamarisk, precisely, which it turns out is a shrub with bright red flowers. But many of our sages were moved to read, to read that symbolically. Maybe he planted a place or an idea, not a tree. In the Talmud, in Tractate Sota, we see that some of our sages thought it was an orchard, while others thought it was an inn, a lodge. And that brings us to another take on Eshel, which is that it is actually an acronym, Aleph, Shin, Lamed, Achila, Shtiyah, Livaya, eating, drinking, and accompanying. These are the three parts of Eshel. And these are the three parts of hospitality or of welcoming or of gathering or of being in community. Feed people, offer them drinks and be with them, sit with them, hold their grief with them. Abraham is offering people company, companionship, connection. His small healing act is to extend a hand, to remember that he is part of something much bigger than himself, that he has family, friends, neighbors, travelers, strangers, and that there is healing in eating together, drinking together, being together. No matter the gravity of the circumstances, those things matter. We have to nourish ourselves and each other to weather the storms. That is his offering. And maybe his question, what is it that you need from me? Or what can I offer you? Do you want some tea, a snack? Should we take a walk together? Do you just want to sit together and cry? There is space for all of it. Achila, Shtia, Levaya. I want to go back for a second to the initial verse that explains Abraham planting the Eshel. The verb that is used, Vayita, to plant, is only used in two other places in the whole Torah. And both come before this use, even though this one is only 20 chapters into Genesis. The first use of vayitah is in the Garden of Eden, all the way back in the beginning, chapter 2 of the Torah. It says, God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and placed the human there who had been created. And then the second use of the word comes a few chapters later in the story of Noah, chapter 9 of Genesis. It says, Noah, the tiller of the soil, was the first to plant a vineyard, similar in some ways to the potential orchard we see later with Abraham. But neither the planting in Eden nor the story of Noah worked. They both go awry. The planting in Eden results in a human eating from the tree and then being kicked out of the garden. Achilah, eating. And then with Noah, he sees the horrors of the world and immediately gets drunk from the grapes that he planted, leading to his demise in many ways. Shtia, drinking. Achila and shtia. Those are the only other two uses of the verb vaita. But here, with Eshel, we see a repair. We see an attempt to reroute a world that has already twice gone off the rails. Instead of these other models, we see a better one a more true one. We have seen Achilah eating on its own and Shtia drinking on its own, both ending poorly. But we never had Livaya. We never had accompanying each other. We never had that in combination with the others. That is the healing. That is what was needed, a way to be together, an opportunity to see and be seen, to grieve and to cry and eventually to hope. Abraham, unlike in the earlier stories, plants something so that other people can benefit from it. He creates roots for community, for seeing each other, for knowing each other, for staying together through the hardest and most impossible times. We are in one of those times right now. We look around and everything is just so painful, so full of strife and hate and violence and grief and loss. A world much more like that of the time of Noah, before God made the decision to destroy that world. Or like Sodom and Gomorrah, another story told in this week's Parsha. It's all too much to bear. And somehow we have to bear it. We have to find our way, get our feet under us, ground ourselves and take one small step at a time. The only way we can do that is together. And to do that, I wanna bring us back to those small things. They have their place in this moment too. They are not everything, but they are something. We need each other for every one of those small steps that we take. Plant something, create something, offer something, bake something and take it to your neighbors. Call a friend you've been meaning to call. Take a walk with your cousin. Send food to a friend, make dinner for your family. Be gentler with your partner, your parent, your child. In spite of all the noise around us and in spite of all the vitriol and anger, find your way to your gentlest, most gracious spirit. In your time of need and pain, like Abraham, reach out to someone else. Extend a hand. Plant an Eshel. See the power of your offering. See the power of community. We need each other. Get out your cookie sheet. Let your brain rest. The journey is long and we'll need sustenance for the road ahead. Shabbat shalom.
0: Hi, it's Rabbi Brass again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe. And please consider making a contribution to IKAR so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you, maybe even in person, sometime soon.